Broadcasting from the CRW studio, this is the Two Drink Minimum with your hosts, Penny and Patron. Cheers, college football fanatics, and welcome to the Two Drink Minimum. I am Dan Patron, and with me as always is Kevin Hannigan and DZ. Tonight, the calm before the October 30th storm. It's week eight, and it's wacky week, where ranked teams head into unranked venues as underdogs. Number 10, undefeated college football playoff hopeful Oregon is a two-point underdog at UCLA. Number 8, Oklahoma State is a touchdown dog to Iowa State. Clemson is unranked and a three-and-a-half point underdog to number 23, Pitt. And USC is going to renew its rivalry with Notre Dame after a hiatus last year for the first time since 1945. We'll discuss those games plus our upset alerts and must-see under-the-radar games next on the two Drink minimum. Gentlemen, Patron, Danny. It's a, it, you know, it's a weird week. It, it is, as I wrote the hook or whatever for like the intro, it's a bizarre week because it's it, it sort of, you look at it and you go, eh, you know, there's not much going on. There's, there's, it's sort of a down week before this October 30th week, which is stacked. And then these, these couple of weeks, the first few weeks in October have been stacked. But certainly Vegas thinks that we're in for some madness. You know, Vegas has two top 10 teams scheduled as underdogs this week. So Vegas is looking for some upheaval in the college football world. You know, and, and regardless of it being a week without the marquee matchups that you typically look for, it's college football. And the, the, the matchups don't need to be marquee to deliver. I mean, look at Iowa-Purdue last week. That game was a good call by we, you. That we we nailed it. Nailed it with the with the upset alert. I had you at under three minutes of when you'd mentioned that. That I just won game. <laughs> that game was. That game was fun to watch because you sat there. It wasn't necessarily this back and forth awesome game like a, a Tennessee Old Miss was. It was more so this game that you just watched going. Is Iowa going to start doing something? Is Iowa going to start doing something? Like, I, you remained locked in on that game because the expectation was that Iowa would do something. I was getting so mad about the Sean Clifford injury during that game. That's oh, what I kept thinking about. 100%. Was, I mean, we're stuck with this Iowa team being number two because Sean Clifford got hurt. That bothered yeah. me greatly. Yeah, absolutely. I was and I was, I was in flashbacks to that when Purdue played Ohio State, and I think Ohio State was two. When there was Rondell Moore was doing crazy stuff and they yep. ended up boat racing him um, randomly and it was like watching the same thing only yeah. that David Bell guy was filling in for Rondell Moore yeah. and he was incredible. It was awesome. The you know you got to hand it to Brom too. Brom goes out there and does. I've never seen anything like that. What he was doing with the three quarterbacks and had, it was like high school stuff. They were the quarterback was taking the play, heading into the huddle. Another guy coming out, and he was doing things. You know, playing to their strengths, but also playing to the expectation of those guys' strengths. I mean, that was a pretty incredible coaching performance by Jeff Brown. So. I think he knew that Iowa was going to knock one of those guys out of the game. So yeah, that was he's like, we got to have them all ready. Which one are you going to yeah, knock out? Right. You don't they know which one to knock out. Can't knock them all they out. They could not figure out which guy to knock out, and they were just like, what? Who do we Who do we knock out? Who do we knock out? Yeah. Those that, lines don't really, surprise me. They should have just knocked out Jeff Brown. He's a quarterback. <laughs> they should have tried that. With the way this season has gone in college football, each year they or each week they keep telling us how many top 25 teams have lost it's setting a record for all these upsets 
more than half of the preseason top 25 isn't even ranked anymore. We're at the halfway point. 13 of your 25 AP preseason rankings from the experts aren't even ranked right now. So to see these lines, they're just looking at, yeah, upsets are happening. People are losing. Everybody's fairly even. This is the adjustment time, though, because right before we came on, we started having a conversation about when the college football playoff rankings come out. And those are going to come out in two weeks on November 2nd. It'll be the Tuesday oh. after Tune in for that program. Halloween. That's going to be a good so, one. Yeah, we'll we'll def- see you that Tuesday. We'll do a, a little show, reaction show to those. Um, but Maybe not this next is the, Tuesday, but that's right. Tuesday. I left that out. This is the portion um, of the season where you got so many teams that have really, like, you, you take some of these undefeated teams like Michigan State and a handful of others that are just, they're just climbing because they haven't lost yet. UTSA. I don't know. They got a couple of decent wins. Actually, they got a couple of decent wins. And they're on their way to the AAC this week. That'll be exciting. So you got that combined with other, like, uh, I'll just throw out Miami. Miami's played a very difficult schedule and have gotten crushed and and done horribly and fallen way out of the (laughs) rankings. I can't stress how horrible. Yeah. but so it's a weird time, and I, and and then I love the way that they align the schedule. So you got a lot of Big Ten teams have bye weeks this week, and then October thirtieth is just a lights out showcase mm-hmm. of top notch games. And then the first college football playing rankings come off um, that Tuesday, right after that huge weekend. So everything sets up perfectly, and I and I think they're going to have such good data from next weekend that those are going to be accurate. Yeah. And, and the, you wanted those games before you had to make the decisions about who your top and yeah. whatever like teams Like Michigan, are. Michigan State. Because you don't have to make the decisions. The games are going to happen on that weekend. They decide yeah. for you. The Big 12 and Big 10, the story is not even close to being – there's no sense in even talking about who would go from those conferences. Yeah. Because they all still have to play each other. Outside of the Oklahoma-Texas game, which there's a rematch looming potentially, yeah. but all those big matchups with your top teams, that's a good point, that there's – Everything is still sitting out there. The Big Ten, they just wait. Oh, the East? You have yeah. no idea what's going to happen in the East right now. No Big idea. Big Ten East. Um, you know, the Big 12, everything being all out there. I had this listed as the second game that we just, that we talk about tonight, but let's just cut right into that, uh, Henny, with that Oklahoma State-Iowa State game. There was, there was a discussion last week about you know, this Oklahoma State being this year's Iowa State and this year's Iowa State being last year's Oklahoma State. They've sort of switched roles here. But as I look at the Iowa State team, that's still a really good team, and it's a, it's a team that at 4-2 and two in the expectations coming into the season of being the best Iowa State team that, you know, they, they've had in a while. Again, the same thing that people were saying about the Oklahoma State team last year, this Iowa State team. The 4-2 and two feels like a flop, but the one loss, which is out of conference and matters zero in the Big 12 race, turned out to be against a very good Iowa team. And the other was against a team which turned out to be at least a good Baylor team. I mean, Baylor looks good. A win here in this game for Iowa State, to your point about it being all there for whoever wants to take it in those two conferences, Iowa State is an afterthought. They're unranked. They're 4-2. and two. Nobody's talking about them. But Vegas knows. Vegas is sitting there going, Oklahoma State, you want to go into Ames and play Iowa State. You're a seven-point underdog. 
and they win this game, and the Big 12 is a free-for-all. I mean, I'm actually yeah. rooting for Iowa State in right. this game just because mayhem and We don't see Baylor winning. In that conference. I don't see Baylor going unscathed through the rest of their Yeah, I mean, Baylor's, so I see Baylor losing again. You're so. only behind a team then. So you're a team that you're tied with, they're going to lose. So if you're Iowa State and you win out, which before the season you thought was realistic, yep. even again, Oklahoma yeah. looked nasty, but we Iowa State, all that talent you just brought up, a win this weekend, and they're right back in the mix. They control it because Baylor's going to lose a couple times. So, 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 how do you, how do you guys like this game? I mean, what do you guys see for this game? Because as you, as you look at it, it's, it's two teams that like to run the ball. You have college football's. Let's see, the, the college football's fourteenth ranked run defense in Iowa State, and you have college football's. 15th ranked run defense in Oklahoma State and both these teams want to run so this is going to be really you know kind of fun to watch because it's just going to be that that smash mouth football of bring your dudes against my dudes you know maybe Brock Purdy makes a play here Spencer Sanders makes a play there but it's going to be my guys versus your guys let's see who 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 can who can take it to the other guy? I mean, they both want to run. They both are gonna are good at stopping the run. I, I failed to mention Oklahoma State, but they are one of those teams that has just climbed the rankings simply because they have not lost yet. But I, I feel like they're the next Iowa here. They're they're a little bit fraudulent to be in the top ten. I don't believe them Oof. to be a top ten team at all, and I think Vegas agrees with me. Jalen Warren. You talked about him in terms of a running back. He is just as good as as uh, as anyone in the Big 12, including the guys he's going up against in uh, Brees Hall. And But when I look at this game, Spencer Sanders is a very, very questionable quarterback. I don't find him to be reliable at all. And so if you're looking at the quarterback matchup, I lean heavily towards Brock Purdy in, in that. And I think that's why Iowa State's favored so much. Um what again? You're using Texas because Texas has played a bunch of this team, so Texas kind of becomes the measuring stick. And you can a lot of teams have looked really, really good running the football against Texas. Um, Texas fooled us with Arkansas early in the year because we thought Arkansas was a great running team, um, but it turns out Texas is 113th nationally in rush defense. They're giving up 201 yards per game. Yeah, they're bad. So. What Oklahoma State did and, and their comeback, although it, it was nice, 16 unanswered points in the fourth quarter of that game. They were on the ropes. They were. At the end of that first half. There was a knockout punch coming. Yeah. And that pick six, I, momentum. Right. So, so, so they got that. That's the Iowa flavor that right. I'm talking about, that they just they find themselves somehow winning games and kind of overplaying the talent level that they have on that team. And Boise's yeah. getting run all over, too, by everyone. Like, they... Though Warren was the backup running back to start the season. Then at Boise State, you're like, holy crap. This kid, and he is very talented. But Boise State is another team. As we saw was at the Air Force game they just had, they get run over also. So a couple of those teams, like you brought up, are not good against the run to begin with. Iowa State, though. You know who wins just because they're good? <laughs> Fiddlehead Brewing Company, which is the first beer that we have this evening. It is a just the straight up Fiddlehead IPA from Fiddlehead Brewing Company. It, do any of you guys walk into a bar and just look at the tap and go, some questionable decisions. I kind of want to try that, 
but I know I'm going to be overpaying for beer, and I know that's delicious. Just give me the fiddlehead. I, I, I do it all the, the time. the sweet Friday night. I, I do fiddlehead. it all the time. It's pretty nice. Nice, really? Yeah. Oh, that just... That's what they... Is that or uh, Blue In Light? A can? Oh, is that, why, can. is that why I saw you crawling home late Friday evening? No, I controlled myself. <laughs> so, I wanted to get invited back. First. I, look out the, I look out the window and Henny's army crawling down Cleveland Road. <laughs> Should have um, gone for it. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, to your point, you know, hey, I... DZ, I got caught, like, we could have just rolled the tape for what I said about Spencer Sanders last week in the analysis of them playing Texas. I totally agree with you. And they go and they win, and it, you know, you'd think that Oklahoma State beats Texas, and it was like some Spencer Sanders, like, screw you, Dan Patron, and the two-drink minimum performance. But he didn't do anything. He's under 60%. He's under 200 yards. He's a touchdown and a pick, like, he did what I was saying he was going to do, but then Jalen Warren did what Henny said he was going to do. And, and the defense did what they've been doing for the last two years, which is to suggest that they are the best defense in the Big 12. I did catch that, by the way, because last week it was the first time I've ever listened to this podcast. It was, <laughs> it was interesting. Right. You're like, well, I missed yeah, you this. Are, yeah. You're not bad. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are I felt like I was missing something. Yeah, I felt like I was missing something. <laughs> but, it, but it wasn't bad. I felt like I was missing a Ukrainian person. <laughs> um, Henny, you know, how do you see this game going down? Oklahoma State is dangerous. Gundy has a really nice thing going on there. They fly it's on... called a mullet, but go on. <laughs> He's growing back. <laughs> Comeback player of the year. I called him. Comeback player of the year. That's a great call. It was, it was yeah. comeback player of the year. In but the isn't the coastal, the coastal coach is growing one too, right? Jamie Chadwell. Yeah. yeah. Oh. He looks, isn't he growing one? He looks like Mike Gundy's stunt double. Is, that, is anybody else getting that vibe? I'm going to have to look just, again. He's just the Mike, Mike Gundy Mike Gundy does his own stunts. Double. How dare you? Yeah, Mike Gundy does do his own stunts. But what he's built there, 10 of the last 14 years, he's had a team ranked in the top 10. Like, there's a lot of programs that would kill for that, and they fly under the radar. And here he is again, sitting there at a 6-0, a win at Boise State, with Iowa State in front of him that doesn't appear to be the same team we thought they were. I, I do think Iowa State is the same team. They are coming into form at the right time. It's Brocktober. Oh, oh, oh really? <laughs> it is Brocktober. So the quarterback oh, really? play, you, you heard it here up. first. The defense is... Are both very Should good. Should we make Brocktober t-shirts? I think they already exist. Brocktober didn't go well. No, it didn't. <laughs> it didn't. But it doesn't sound as good. In he's Brocktober. Not, he's not it didn't exact, look as good. No. He's not exactly big game Brock, though. That's I why mean, I've been saving wait. it. Oh, yeah. Against Oklahoma State. Against Iowa. If you look at Matt Campbell's record against the big dogs, I think I had him. like He's 5-11 and 11 against Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. And then 0-6 against Iowa. So this hot coaching prospect... In the yeah. big moments, in these big games, he has struggled. He's, he's playing it off like he's turning down jobs. You ain't turning right. down jobs. Right. You can't win big games. He's you're, got the Harbaugh issue. Yeah, you're Jim Harbaugh without Ooh. the khakis. Does he, he doesn't wear khakis. Yeah, he's got khakis. Does he wear khakis? He's got a nice set of khakis, Dan. Yeah. yeah, he does. You're Jim Harbaugh <laughs> without the resume. Uh, <laughs> the quarterback is better for Iowa State, and that's clear. That's the difference in this game. Seven points is too I don't many love for the me. Spread. Though. I like Iowa State. It's a big State 12 to, game. I like Iowa State to win this game, but that spread is a tough one. These are two two teams that want to run the ball and two teams that are good at stopping the run. And I, I don't love that spread. If you know, if I gotta take somebody, I'm gonna take Iowa State and I'm gonna take Iowa State to cover. 
but I, I, I don't love it. I don't love it, it, it because Oklahoma State's Oklahoma been a road State dog is, twice this year. Oklahoma yeah, State, Boise, yeah, Texas. Oklahoma State's wins, won eight. Wins. Oklahoma State has mm. won eight of these last ten meetings. It, you know, I, I just, it just feels like this do theory for Vegas where they go, you know, top ten teams just keep losing every week. Who's our guy this week? You know, we're we're gonna roll the roll the dice on Oklahoma State and make him a seven point dog, which very well could come to fruition because Iowa State is that good. And that seven point feels like a trap. Ames is a tough place to play. That's a tough defense. We're still talking about the defense coming into this season as what we thought would be the best defense in the Big Twelve. You know, like if it's not Oklahoma State, it is Iowa State. So they both have great defenses. And I'm with you. I, Brock Purdy and Brees Hall, I trust those guys just a little bit more. Iowa State has talent. At the receiver, Hutchinson's a fine receiver. The tight ends are NFL tight ends for Iowa Charlie State. Charlie Kohler. So is, they have weapons beyond just Brees Hall, which is a huge advantage in this game. And both of their losses, Kohler didn't play. So that's a huge – you know, when you look at what that offense tries to do, missing Charlie Kohler is a big deal for them. Here's what, here's what you're going to want to do, okay? I'll, I'll tell you right now. I'm going to write this down. <laughs> All right, write this down. I, I don't think there's – I feel very confident saying Iowa State's going to win this game. All right? Wait, when I see that seven-point line, I get a little bit nervous because I feel like that couldn't be more perfect. Now, if I'm scanning, and, and maybe you have you know some betting services at your disposal, I'm looking at FanDuel. I can get minus six-and-a-half for Iowa State. So I like that play. That's a big half point right oh, there. Oh, absolutely. Wait, I get I get six and a half instead of seven? You can get it. You got to shop. You got to shop around to find that six and a half. But if you can find that six and a half, take Iowa State. If it's just the seven, I wouldn't touch it. But Iowa State's going to win the game. By seven. They'll cover six and a half. They'll push it seven. That's my prediction. Is the seven this? Is that what the seven is? It's the classic trap. <laughs> I thought you were going to pull another uh, Costanza line and nope. talk about naming your child Seven. All right. Seven. It's a trap. It's a great name. <laughs> Admiral Abner. Yeah. <laughs> it's a trap. It's a trap. Um, so so I, I have no idea. For the record, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> There, there's a, there's an Admiral Akbar. It's a trap remix that uh, is fantastic, but I didn't pull it up and have it lined up. So you got the intro part to the Admiral Akbar. It's a Don't trap. Worry, we'll edit that out, Dave. Okay. The, uh, Let's so, laugh like we said something funny. We'll just keep <laughs> the. So, what do you got, Henny? I'll take Oklahoma State plus the points. Iowa State wins the game. This is a classic Big 12 up and down the field. And you've got Oklahoma State wins the game. No, you've got no, Iowa got State Iowa wins State the game. Iowa State is going to win by exactly seven. Exactly seven. And I've got win and cover. I've got Andrew Mevis with a walk-off field goal win for Iowa Ooh. State. He was four for four last week. All four of them over 40 yards. Dude's feeling the floor. Now, if his coach was Dino, he'd be a genius, right? No, 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 no. No. Way. No. Oh, it's not results based. Not results based. Okay. Ahead of time, we were going for that. Okay. No, we're turning around, hanging it to Brees Hall. They Syracuse has Brees Hall. They have <laughs> Brees Hall in their backfield, and you chose to bring in Andrew Mevis. Beavis. Beavis. We brought Beavis. in Beavis to get it. <laughs> there he is. 
Better the second time. <laughs> that was the one I was looking for. I know. How many Admiral Ekbar It's a Trap remixes are there? Too, too many. <laughs> that one was like an audio. Yeah. Dude, there's an instrumental Admiral Ekbar It's a Trap. Yeah. Just lay down your own lyrics over it. Yeah. For your SoundCloud page. All right. We've got we well, let's head out to let's head out west then we'll we'll head out west to that Pac-12 game where game Oregon day. Oregon is an underdog to a UCLA team. It this this was a weird thing that occurred with this Oregon game. Do you know that they opened as a three point favorite, but then that just slid to the point where I have them as a point and a half underdog at this point. Is that is that am I accurate there? Or is it kept kept sliding? Are they Sounds a right. Three point underdog at this point. Oh, any anywhere from one to two and a half. So you know, uh, so let's even it out and yeah, just say flipped. one and a half. So Oregon is the number ten team in the country. They're undefeated. They're gonna go two. I'm sorry, they lost once. They're they're gonna go to UCLA and play a UCLA team that is unranked, right? And they're the point and a half underdog. So Vegas is up to no good again on this top 10 team that is supposed to lose. Henny, as you look at this, is this odd to you or is this accurate? It's a lack in confidence in the quarterback play at Oregon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When are any call. of these dudes going to play? Didn't they bring in like a stud Ty recruit? Thompson. Yeah. Ty Thompson. Another little... school that fans are chanting. The, the Oklahoma thing caused so many problems for these quarterbacks because the fans – we want Caleb Williams. Right? They're chanting. Mm-hmm. This is Gladiator, right? Mm-hmm. Are you not entertained? They're <laughs> chanting, and they get their guy, and he appears to be the right decision. So now you have Oregon fans. Anthony Brown's coming off the field last week. They're booing him. He actually, down the stretch, won them the game. Yeah. Late The last couple of drives, Brown bounces mm-hmm. back, but it's a lack of confidence in him because the running game didn't drop down at all. Verdell went away, but Die was a freak in yeah. that game. Die was die's great. They're missed. They have talented wide receivers. The wide receivers at Oregon are very good, but you don't have a quarterback who can get them the ball. So when you yeah. go on the road with a team that's been trailing three times in the second half this year to unranked teams, yeah, we are not believing in Oregon. We look at the Ohio State game is an exception, not the rule with Oregon. Yeah. It's how the AP rankings. That's how everybody's looking at this team. And, and, and to the point with Oregon, with Ty Thompson, they've got a guy from last year, too. They've got the Butterfield kid who they recruited the year before who was also a four- or five-star guy. Depending, I think he's a four-star guy. Paul Butterfield. Depending on, that's what I asked, whether or not it was Paul <laughs> Butterfield's son. Dude plays a mean harmonica. Again, nobody listening understands the reference. Thanks, Lizzie. There we go. There we go. you got to love the blues. You know, and they've got so they lose C.J. Burdell, and you mentioned that that Travis Dye was a freak, but we've also seen uh, he's a true freshman. Byron Caldwell gets mixed in a few times over the course of the last few games. I expect to we see want seven McGee getting touches. That's I, what we want. I expect to see him a, a, a little bit more. You know, this kid was the top running back recruit in all of California, top ten running back recruit nationally, four star guy. Like this is a guy who's gotten some touches and is ripping off. You know, eight, nine yards a carry, maybe four or five carries a game. But, you know, do we start to see him get the ball a little bit more? Oregon has depth that other teams in this conference don't have. And you got Kevon Thibodeau coming back. Their linebacking core is obviously hurting. 
But this Oregon team is deep and just losing C.J. Verdell doesn't spell the end. Many teams in this conference could not overcome that. But, Henny, I'm with you. This, this quarterback play is, is tough because Anthony Brown is just not doing a great job throwing the forward pass. He's fine making something out of nothing with the legs, scrambling around, making a couple of busted like Sandlot-type plays here and there. But consistent passing is not his game. And you're going to come in and face this USCLA team, who's one of the better rush defenses in the country. They only allow 91.1 rushing yards per game. But they play doo-doo teams that run the ball. Right? In the Pac-12, three of the four worst doo-doo rushing teams. They're doo-doo. They're rushing attacks at Arizona, Stanford, yeah, and Washington. Doo-doo. You just big boys. It's terms. a family. No, it's yeah. a family show. <laughs> three of the four worst rushing attacks doing? in the Pac-12. So they are a good rush defense, but they have not faced good running teams yet. Yeah, no, that's a strong point. At this point in the season, you got to look at who they've played. Right. You we thought, we thought they did with, with the LSU game right. to open the season, but it turns out LSU doesn't have a great running game. But we, you're going to force them We to called it with the LSU-Mississippi State overreaction from last year. We're like, this feels like kind of a little bit of the same thing. You know, yeah. you're like catapulting UCLA right up into the, you know, the, the CFP mix because they beat an overrated LSU but team. the running game but, is good enough But UCLA. UCLA is really good. Yeah. UCLA yeah. is a really good team. And, and, and to me, these are the two best teams in the Pac-12. It, it's yeah, that's what, So that's what I, I had. I wrote down the same thing, except, so Utah, would Utah be a question mark in there, but maybe they'd be thrown in as... Utah's now starting the right guy at quarterback. So, we'll get to Utah. So that's going to be interesting, too. But I think UCLA has Utah next week. They do. So yep. that's going to be a huge game. So there but the, you come the down one other that. thing before we get on UCLA that we forgot to mention on Oregon was keep in mind that you also have my boy Joe Moorhead suffering through a little bit of an illness here. And so he has been out of commission for like the past three games and he was back for the last one, but they had him up in the booth because he couldn't be down on field level. So that's another thing. You take you know your offensive they announced coordinator. Yesterday? He's cleared to travel. Joe Moore, I have that in bold print because I wanted to yeah. make sure you were on board. Is with he that. back? So he's, he's back. Traveling. He was time. cleared okay. yesterday morning to travel with the team. So that's, that was even in that's bold. Huge. That's huge because they've that's looked huge. out of sorts yeah. without him. Yeah, and and that's that's one of the big differences. Now I think he was there. I'd have to go back and look for like the Fresno State game, um, or I'm sorry, I'm looking at UCLA's schedule, but they lost him for like those those couple clutch weeks and. And that, you know, against Cal, they were a mess on Friday night. Everything looked wrong. And Cal almost won that game. I mean, they got Cal's they really playing everybody lucky. tight. Yeah. They're their quarter, I like their quarter. That's Cal, Cal's, the, Cal's the Syracuse University of the Pac-12. They, oh, they, I like they, that. They just kind of play people tight and don't really win as often as you would like them to. But they, they play competitive games. They got they got a, they got a good quarterback. The Gerbers kid is a good quarterback, yeah. or Garbers, whatever his name is, is a good quarterback, and their defense is tough. Yeah, they hang around. That, yeah, they hang around. Hang That's around. just what they do. You're gonna have to go with the UCLA secondary. Brown is gonna have to win you this game throwing the ball. I like that. You do have a nice run game, but UCLA can play the run well. You're gonna have to trust this kid to go to these wide receivers. I am a big fan. They, they go 3-4 deep at the wide receiver position with talented kids. So it's time to throw the ball. Right now, your leading receiver, Travis Dye, also your running back, if you're going to lean on one kid, you're not going to win this game. Your running backs, and Verdell was the leading receiver before last week. And he's now been passed because he wasn't in the game. 
these kids running the ball have to be your lead receivers. I don't like that. Let's get the ball out there. Like the Devin Williams, the Red Kid. They got Johnny Johnson, the third. They have talent out there. Air it out. JJ3? Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. J23? Well, that's a good point because if you look at UCLA, the two games that they lost were probably against the two best quarterbacks that they faced all year in the Fresno State and Arizona State quarterbacks. Those are by far the two best quarterbacks they've faced all year. Right. And I don't see that, though. I don't see that. And Anthony Brown is going to just start fight, slinging the ball around. Yeah. That's not their game. You know? Well, is this a game that they get the kids in play, that they get the Ty Thompson kids in play? I mean, what do they have over there, and, and, and can they work him in? It would be an interesting wrinkle to just see them do that like that. That that would be a gutsy coaching decision to do something like that. Yeah, okay, but I it even, could work. I don't even think the Ty Thompson kid is like a pro-style drop-back passer either. I mean, I, you're not completely reinventing your offense with this kid. He, uh, he's a dual-threat guy coming out of high school. I think Crystal so, Ball's looking down so, at Oklahoma. I mean, That's some pressure on you if you have a quarterback decision to make when Oklahoma hit a home run. Yeah. At this point with that, and you have a similar situation starting to play out. A team that's yep. talented enough to make the playoff, we well, think. Again. Yeah, the quarterback is in, the question. Again, same I, situation I, in Florida. Yeah. Again, I, I mean, same situation in Utah where they have Charlie Brewer start and Cameron Rising is clearly the right guy. You know, like it, it, this, this, this types of things happen, you know, and... and I forgot if we were talking about it on air or off air, but there was a, a major always on there air. was a major league baseball GM who said a, a few years ago that every major league baseball team, every single one from the Reds to the Mets to the Nationals to the Royals, every single one has the talent in their system to make the major league baseball playoffs. It's just whether or not you play the guys that put you in the position to win. Because most in Major League Baseball, you get stuck with the guys that you paid or that are on the 40-man roster. So you have to do that. You know, in, in college football, you get stuck with this quarterback who's going to leave if you bench him or whatever it may be. But Oregon and Oklahoma and some of these teams, Clemson, some of these teams, they should have a guy waiting in the wings that you can turn it over to. Ohio State, you got a guy waiting in the wings that you can turn it over to. I mean, Ohio State is going to have minimum two free agent quarterbacks this offseason that other people are going to you know, snatch up like gold. So does Oregon have that guy, and does Cristobal have the guts to at least put in a couple of series, a couple of packages for him? Because Anthony Brown has not been the guy, and this is a game that you gotta. Have. I think he's gonna do it this weekend. This is a game you gotta have I, because no, I, I think, Anthony, no, I think Anthony Brown is gonna make some plays this weekend. You think so? The way he ended that game, two nice drives, had to throw the ball a few times. They're gonna roll into a weak secondary, which is nice for him. This is not a dangerous secondary. He's gonna have to throw against. They can win these matchups. He's gonna throw it up, make some plays. He's gonna be forced to. He's very Jekyll and Hyde, though. If you look at his stats and his game logs, he'll have, I mean, he's routinely 50-60% completion, low yardage, and then he'll have these games, like last week, and the I think like week three, 75%, 300 yards. But yeah. you, you never know when these games are going to show up. He's not that much different than DTR, even. I mean, they're both right. they're pretty similar guys in their consistency. I take, I, I think it, DTR. I would take DTR. So would I. I, I. Oh, I would take DTR too. But right. in in 
but he has the same problem that Anthony Brown has. He's just more talented than Anthony Brown. But his consistent his consistency passing the ball has been a similar issue with him that's plagued him throughout his career. You sort of waited for him to get better from season to season, and it's been slight improvement, but not the drastic improvement that you were looking for when he came in and he was supposed to be, you know, a generational talent. He was supposed to be a recruit that changes your he program. Gets, and he's been good. He's been even very good, maybe. When you say but the he, UCLA program is changing this year? Yeah, it has. I he's mean, been great. but it's been these, it's, you know, Charbonneau transfers in, you know, Huge. Britain Britain has been great. This they're they're they built around DTR with some of the transfers and with some of the subsequent recruiting classes. And I think that's what happens when you get an exciting quarterback recruit and you play him right away. And he does show the talent that he has. I mean, the kid is talented. He's dealt with a ton of drops, though. To be fair, he's had a lot of his wide receivers drop balls fair. this year. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I I don't think they have a very talented wide receiver core, and that hurts him. Yeah, the tight ends are best wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. They have that like uh, they have a, a bunch of like possession guys, but not like a game breaker. But they only ask him like to be possession a, guys with bad hands. Yeah, not a good, which mix. is not a good possession. Which right. not which we're is not, not big, a good possession. Slow. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, but ugly and ineffective. I, <laughs> top ten moment in two drink minimum history. I don't um, think so. The. Uh, <laughs> At Henny's expense. So, I mean, where do you go here? You, we're gonna have to. You got. You got to make a pick. We're at that point in our analysis of this game where you got to make a pick. It, it. I. I have Vegas getting it right with it being this one and a half point spread. You know, I don't have the pollsters getting it right with Oregon being ten and UCLA being unranked. I think it's probably somewhere in between. I think I'd probably take UCLA over a couple of teams in the top twenty-five. If you go to Pasadena to play UCLA, I like this team. Zach Charbonneau and Brown, and Britton Brown are a dangerous, you know, running back combination. And uh, Oregon gives know, up yards too. And Oregon gives up yards. The rushing defense for Oregon has not been as good as UCLA's rush defense. Oregon has played a tougher schedule than UCLA has, so maybe that evens it out. I like UCLA to get the win at home here. One and a half is essentially a push. I, I, I guess they cover whatever. I like UCLA to get the win here, though. Oregon just seems like they're struggling. All bets are off if there's a quarterback change, and I just want to see what happens. It could go drastically way the other way with a kid that we've never seen before, and this might be the game that we see that some packages being put in over the course of this week for another guy. But if you if these two teams play the way they are right now, I've got UCLA winning this game. I've I've got three big things that I'm looking at when I'm when I'm looking at this game. So oh, this two of them in three boom boom. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Um, number one is really the health. I think UCLA is catching Oregon at the perfect time because just the health. Everyone from like we said about Joe Moorhead, their offensive coordinator to across the team. Oregon's dealing with a lot of injuries. They're starting to get healthier, but they're not back yet. Um, so they got that issue. Um, the other thing is I love DTR. I, I think he's been playing great this season. He's improving. He can throw the ball. When he Watching him and uh, when they played Arizona State, that was a quarterback duel, and that was, that was great theater right there. So I like him. 
So two points in favor of UCLA right there. The only thing that makes me a little bit hesitant is watching Thibodeau at the end of that game and in that Cal game and how he completely took over like that, he did. the fourth quarter yeah. of that game. And if he shows up and does something like that in this game, then then my prediction is going to be totally wrong. But I, I like UCLA for the previous two reasons of the big three. Um, so I'll take them to cover that, that two-point spread. Yeah, I mean, he takes over games. I, it, the, I guess it wasn't that long ago, but you know, the last guy that we saw take over games like that was, jeez, um, why is his name escaping me? The kid from South Carolina, um, Clowney. Yeah, he well, I thought he forgot uh, your name because the red the WFT drafted him. He doesn't yeah, do anything. He, well, he okay. didn't end up. He didn't end up. Name. <laughs> no, I no, I I never saw Chase Young really dominate and, and take over games. To the extent that like a Clowney was ridiculous because the team wasn't that good, and Clowney was just ridiculous. Like and, you, and, and you watch Thibodeau play, and it's games. and it's pretty similar, especially with Justin Flo and uh, the linebacking crew being as banged up as they are. He's, I mean, when he's in there, he pops off the off the page. It's 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 incredible. I like that call a lot, Z, because it's. That's why they're going to win. Oregon's going to win this game. KT5 in L.A. with game day there at the Rose Bowl. This is a Kayvon Thibodeau pop. He's looking to pop. This is, Dave, you're right. This is Kayvon Thibodeau winning this game. No one has jumped out in the Heisman race. This gives him such a good chance to to just, like, market his Bitcoin, too. Right. I mean, the perfect opportunity. In L.A. No, don't talk. This is a distraction. No, (laughs) Kayvon, don't listen. Kayvon's trying to distract you right now. Stay focused on the game. No one has put themselves out really for the Heisman. Bitcoin, you can buy Bitcoin merch with his Bitcoin. Kayvon, KT5, after this weekend, is going to be a guy that it, no one's jumped so out you're of the investing, Heisman race. You're investing in the Bitcoin. I already have. Yeah. I already have. They sent me the brochure. The yes. Yeah. Good man. As soon as I you're saw it, right. I go, if there's one guy I trust with my money. <laughs> It's Kayvon Thibodeau. I've been saying that for years. For yes. years. Right. That's he good. has been saying I've been just days. shipping him money. Yeah. That's good. Hoping that it works out for me. It now will. It has. It absolutely I'm will. in the ground floor of whatever his Bitcoin was. You're actually at the top of the pyramid. Yes. The top that's, of the pyramid. I think it's a scheme. The scheme. Yeah. The scheme that's no, a pyramid. Turn it upside down. Right. Look at Have that. Have you seen that's, that? It's sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> no, I've seen <laughs> on the office they draw that same kind of thing. Oregon, Anthony Brown is going to have to throw the ball and he will do it effectively enough to win this game. UCLA will sell out to try to stop the run, and that will allow Brown to take advantage of that, and Thibodeau makes some nice plays here, some strip sacks, whatever it is with him. Oregon wins the game. Okay. Whew. Here we go. Let's do it. Let's do a shotgun fire on this one real quick. Clemson at Pitt. Pitt's a three-point favorite. Is this the knockout punch to Clemson? The Panthers are going to try to deliver that knockout punch to the to the Tigers, right? This is this is you are officially over if they win this game. Clemson's offensive struggles, you know, are, are well documented this season. The defenses remain tough. Pitt has a chance to flex on these guys with quarterback Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett has a chance to to catapult himself into that. He's already gotten getting that fringe quarterback guy who is up in the NFL draft with everybody else playing poorly. He's already thrown himself up into that. Well, maybe this guy's a Heisman candidate with nobody else emerging. Do the Tigers make their statement on the road to say, we're still Clemson? You know, Kevin, you mentioned it last program. It's still Clemson. 
Or is Pitt put that nail in the coffin on the Tigers' season to say, nope, like no chance you're going to win? Because it's all still there for Clemson. They could still win the ACC. You know, that one of their losses is to Georgia. So it's all still there for Clemson to win the ACC. What one happens in this game? It's going to be interesting to watch. I'll let you guys go. This Pittsburgh team, I, I really do, I'm looking, I don't understand how they lost to Western Michigan. I, I just, I, I can't fathom how that happened. If that same team that played Virginia Tech this past weekend, I, I don't know how they lost. Pickett has just continued to develop. He's 23 years old. He's working on his medical degree or, or law degree. Now you sound like Davo. Now you sound like Davo. But you can tell it's an experienced quarterback playing against people that are quite a bit younger than him and don't have the game experience that he has. He is throwing the ball well, and they've got the, a young receiver, Jordan Addison, who's had 586 yards this year. He is incredible. And then they also got Jared Wayne, another like bigger-bodied wide receiver. Both those guys are great. A couple of maybe, you know, top 10 wide receivers in the Dabble ACC. Dabo said Addison is the best wide receiver that Clemson will have faced so far this year. He was open. That's high praise. He was open. It was like David Bell. He was open that often. Yeah. Every single play he was thrown to him. That kid's talented. Um, Narduzzi, he is, a, he is like a game manager coach. He uses all three downs. I know Kevin over here loves third down completion percentage. 44% this year. Jeez. That's insane. That is insane. Uh, now, part of it is because they use all three downs. It always in manageable yardage situations, and Pickett's going to make good decisions. And I, I like what Pitt is playing. Great football right now. I love I love them in this game. And and Clemson has been just, you know, you see the same thing. But week it's Clemson. To week. Yeah. It is Clemson, but you, it's the Clemson of 2021, and we have seen the same thing out of them. They, they've been very, very consistent in their level of play throughout the year, right? I, I don't think you can argue with that. I don't see a game where they're just like lights out, putting up 50, 60 points. It's the same team, the same sluggish offense that can't figure it out. Uh, I thought they would run the ball more against Syracuse. I thought they had an advantage there, and they didn't seem to want to do that. They were throwing the ball. Um, Justin Ross just doesn't look right. Um, he's he's frail. He, I, I just don't know what's going on the with drops. him. The I mean, yeah. drops. How many balls did he drop last week? Three? Yeah. Four? Just uncharacteristic. His drop in the NC State game cost Clemson the game. Yeah, Clemson's sitting there... Five and one right now. If they're only lost to Georgia, if that kid can hold on to a ball. Yeah, based on what I saw, I mean the the Pitt team that played against Virginia Tech, they look like the best team in the ACC. Maybe them or NC State. And they were run first in that game. Pickett threw for two hundred yards in that game. So he's been going four hundred yards. He's second all time in a single season for passing touchdowns at Pitt. He's got twenty one. Who is first? Marino with twenty seven. I got it. No. Oh, Nate Peterman. Oh, Nate, <laughs> your boy. I, when I saw it, I was so oh, excited. I circled geez. that underline. Oh, your boy, Nate Peterman, gosh. through 27. But anyways, your boy, Nate Peterman. Damn. That's your boy. Oh, we know him for throwing interceptions, oh, so it surprised me. Throw that many interceptions yeah. in right. three games. Yeah. Jeez, Nate Peterman. Should have held on to that guy. Six and a half, was it? A hook? No. <laughs> Did you throw six interceptions and a half? Yes. That one game? Six or five, yeah, in San Diego? Yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. That was not good. It was uh, the worst QBR of all time. It was, it was <laughs> zero point yeah. zero. 
Can Clemson score enough to keep up with this Pittsburgh team is no. my concern. No. When I, I look at Clemson, I'm nervous about that. You know, I've been waiting for Clemson to show up. I keep thinking they're going to get it right. Dabo with another Seinfeld reference for us here. He said, this is like the B.O. in the car on Seinfeld. He goes, we've got some funk or some stink on us. And we keep wow. thinking we get rid of it. And then I get back in the car and it's right there. And that was, I thought he was really accurate because it's the same kind of thing. You're like, that's not good. Next week when we come back, do you know what happens in the car. for him to say that? Often, if you keep smelling BO, it's from you. Yeah, it's just you. I mean, but just not in the Seinfeld car. That's, that's why he's very specific with that reference. So it was only in the car. Yeah, right. to make sure it was just One, in the car. Uh, yeah, because it's definitely not him. Dabo loves him some Dabo. Yeah. It's definitely not him. I think he might be self-incriminating. He's going to LSU. I, you know, I think that this game. Oof. It's a bold statement. Dabble this was supposed Sweeney. to be a quick analysis. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. That's it. what I'm waiting for. Yeah, I was moving on to the next game. And the Dabble. SEC doesn't need Clemson. Because then you got to split money with them. They no, no. Dabble. We're going to go, and you're going to be LSU. You're going to go and grab. He was asked about it today. You're going to go and get Dabo Sweeney. Because he's going to look around and go, this quarterback isn't the guy. I'd have to go to the transfer portal. Don't want to deal with all that nonsense. He refuses to use the transfer portal. He's going to, he's going to get annoyed that people are coming down on him because he'll lose at least one other game this year maybe two depending on a bowl game situation and he's going to get so annoyed at people for being ungrateful for what he's built there that he's going to be this spurned guy he's going to go fine i'm leaving all of you behind and going to a i'm going to the sec the only thing that's going to be left standing after like they say twinkies will survive the apocalypse yeah right the sec SEC in 20 years is going to be the only place to play college football and he's going to get there he's going to go to LSU, he's going to bring Venables with him, and he's going to grab one of those Ohio State five-star guys. He's going to bring in that Quinn Ewers kid and be like, you remember how you were thinking about coming to Clemson, but you didn't want to be stuck behind DJ? There ain't no DJ anymore. Because the Quinn no, kid no. wanted to go to Clemson. No, he's not bringing him. He's bringing Arch Manning. Oh, oh, oh baby. Arch crashed. Manning has been looking at going to Clemson. He's oh, down at Clemson, baby. Alabama, and Texas. He was visiting Georgia just a couple weeks ago. No. Yes, he did. He's yeah, he going to Georgia. He, he's just, you know, he's That's just smoke doing screen. his lap. He wouldn't go to Ole Miss. Yeah. That's a smokescreen. No. So I've got, like, I... LSU I, has, the, like, one of the number one quarterback recruits supposed to be coming in, too. On this one, on this one, as I look at this, if it's not, this is You can get all, Arch Manning. That yeah. this, is, on the bench. this is all very, this. this is all very exciting <laughs> stuff. LSU fans... We've derailed this. LSU fans are pumped right now. What game are we talking I'm about? taking Clemson in this game. Let me just jump to that while we're sitting Yeah, here. I don't have Clemson. them. I, I, if, if, it's, if it's not Clemson symbol on this game it's not it's not only a three-point spread you know to take a look at the analytics between these two teams and the way that they've both played this should be a larger spread i have pit to win and cover i like pit too um although davis allen tight end did some great things in the he dome did. i don't know if you appreciated that show he's a good player he'll do some damage uh but pitt's gonna win this game and before we move and on with pittsburgh is syracuse guys we gotta talk about a couple things alan also had like three drops in that but game, we gotta Wait, talk about when was the last time before you get into that yeah. um when was the last time clemson was an underdog to an acc team oh tell me it's probably <laughs> i thought you had the stat i well it, it was i do know i was trying to play along <laughs> His, num- his number is about to October be retired. 1st, yo, 20, eight. yo, eight. 2016 to and Lamar Jackson, Louisville. Who won the game? Yo, eight. Deshaun won Watson and Clemson Clemson won the game. So Lamar went on to win the Heisman. Clemson wins just like this time. Clemson's going to win. 
Kenny Pickett. And Kenny Pickett goes on to win the Heisman. Ooh, Ooh. Yeah. And get his number retired. I don't know if DJ is is uh, Deshaun Watson though. He's definitely not. Yeah, we know that. No, we actually know he's not. Yes, I know. It's <laughs> well, that part. Before we shift from Pittsburgh, though, if some Syracuse people are listening right now, briefly on Pittsburgh, when yeah. you're watching this game, Servassier Dennis, local kid, went to CBA, is the middle linebacker for Pittsburgh, leads them in tackles. He's having a phenomenal season. He is an NFL linebacker, a local kid from Syracuse, and then the running back. The running back for Pittsburgh was the New York State Gatorade High School Player of the Year a couple years ago. So as a Syracuse fan, you just sit here and why Ed Orgeron is going to come up and recruit is the number one player in our state went to Pittsburgh and you're going to have to match. You're going to see this kid in a couple weeks. And on top of that, a kid from in your own backyard is one of the best linebackers yeah. in the ACC. And it's the not, highest, like it just. And oh, at the we point, talked about Dino and, and his recruiting. at the point, and at the point that they recruited him, the state of their programs actually favored Syracuse at that point. This for these kids that are a little bit older, the state of the programs for Pitt and Syracuse back when these guys were getting recruited actually favored Syracuse. Not you're putting coming, guys to the next you're, level. You're though. coming off of those dungy years. And stuff like that. And, and, days. and Pitt was coming off of some real, real lean. Oh, Pickett was there. Yeah, Pickett <laughs> was there. Uh, last game in the Big Four, we have one of the most traditional rivalries in, in college football. You've got USC is going to go to Notre Dame. Mentioned in the in the pregame hook that uh, this game has been played every year since 1945. Took last year off due to the pandemic. They're back at it this year. This is an interesting game because Notre Dame can just watch chaos happen in front of them and sneak back into this thing uh, at, at number 13. What do you guys see in this game with, with Notre Dame and USC? The Trojans have actually been better on the road than at home this season. And they are, on your due theory, Henny, they win every other game. And they're due for a win this game. This season they're 3-3 three and three and it's just every other game. Do, 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 do. They're set for a win this week. What do you got? Notre Dame is interesting to me because of Cincinnati. I got a license, by the way. Okay, go with that. Okay. There it is. I like how you paused for the... Oh, I was going to wait. I was, was going to talk over that. So Notre Dame is worthy of being in this four-pack for us, even though they're back at 13, and there is a very significant Pac-12 game happening that we'll get into in a few minutes. But USC-Notre Dame is a monster game for Cincinnati. They need Notre oh, yeah. Dame. Now, Cincinnati is cool at two. That's fantastic. But they need Notre Dame to take care of business. So that it's a, it has big implications for what we'll see after the October 30th weekend with those first rankings. Notre Dame has a real chance to keep Cincinnati highly regarded, highly respected with the USC game. Even though so USC is, is down. So Cincinnati Steve needs to be watching this Cincinnati game. Cincinnati Steve definitely watching He's this. Notre Dame Steve this weekend. Yeah, That's yeah. who he is. Nice. For the rest of the year. He might have to watch more Notre Dame games. He's got to wear like the games. split jersey. He's got to. <laughs> yeah. He's got to wear that half and half jersey. It, it, this this game is interesting too. For and the Cincinnati point is 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 absolutely this game. Notre Dame means so much to 
a couple of different teams hanging around there. You know, like Notre Dame means a lot to the Big Ten. Notre Dame means a lot to Cincinnati. Notre Dame means a lot to the Big 12. Like Notre Dame is just this team to the Pac-12. Notre Dame is just this team that kind of hangs around. I'm sure Oregon is a USC fan here. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 In the same sense, Oregon is like, go ahead, USC, and knock off Notre Dame on the road. The, the other, Everybody else the, wants Notre Dame to lose. You want Notre Dame out of the way. The other int- then that not puts a knock on Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. The other interesting part about this game is the quarterback drama for both teams. Is is I don't know how you would be comfortable. Notre Dame's a six and a half point, seven point favorite in this game. And I find it very hard to be comfortable with a team as a seven point favorite that you don't know who's going to play quarterback for them or what the heck is going on. So Notre Dame is dealing with a serious quarterback drama over there. They bench Cohen in the first quarter of the Virginia Tech game. They they bring in freshman uh, Tyler Buckner, who then went on to just throw two picks. So then they bring Cohen back in, and he goes on, leads a couple of scoring drives in the fourth quarter. They win the game against Virginia Tech, a Virginia Tech team that has struggled. And it's just been sort of a disastrous situation over there. On the other side of things, the Trojans quarterback controversy is more so rooted in two guys that have been playing well. It's a defense that's horrible over there, but Jackson Dart um, is you know recovering from uh, that that meniscus surgery, so we're likely to get Keydon Slovis. But Slovis was playing well. Dart he got hurt. Dart came in. He played well. Slovis came back last week against Utah, and that defense wasted a, a 400-yard uh, performance that that Slovis had. Henny, you've mentioned the picks before. He throw. He's. I think he's got five picks on the year, something along those lines. So he he, he does give the ball away a little bit there's more. Three than wins, like. There's but three wins. There's three wins. Zero picks. Strange three situation. All of his interceptions. Right. And it's just a strange situation as you come into a game with this magnitude, seven point spread, that there's that much uncertainty swirling around the most important position on the field, that quarterback position for both teams. That, that adds an element of intrigue to this game, I, to me. I love listening to Brian Kelly's, uh, the preview for who he's upcoming. If you don't do that as a college football fan, you get, I did that. You get a super honest analysis. When you look back at his Cincinnati one, it was fantastic. Same thing with this week. When he talked about his quarterbacks that you were just looking at, he said, Jack Cohn gives us the best chance to win, but you're going to see him with a mixture of Buckner. He just flat out said exactly what you expect. They trust Cohn more, yeah. known commodity. Mm-hmm. Buckner, high ceiling, but you don't know what you're going to get. But he was, he's not hiding anything. He's telling me this is what we're going to do. Cohn's, yeah. Cohn's reliable. We think we know we're going to get with this dude, but we have a talented kid that we're going to put in, and if he pops, he makes some plays, you're going to see more of Buckner. Because when you mix him in, the running game has struggled for Notre Dame. The offensive line has struggled, which has made the running game. Kyron Williams has no 100-yard rushing games yet this year. And last year he had a handful of them. So I think Buckner adds an element in with that run game. They look a little different, and I think you can see some improvement with Williams there. But Kelly's telling you what's going to happen with the quarterback, and I love it. And their leading receiver is actually a tight end. Very talented tight end. You love Michael Meyer. Very talented tight end. He's going to be back this week. He sat out uh, last game with that uh, hip 
flexor strain, whatever it was. But, with the but hip. Kevin Austin but and Avery Davis back. performed well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they it, played really well. Absolutely. But my my point was just that that when your tight end is your leading receiver, it. it it, it Yes, I get it that you say Michael Meyer is awesome and it speaks volumes to how good Michael Meyer is, but I don't think you necessarily want your running back or your receiver or your tight end being your top receiver, just like you don't want your quarterback being your top running back. Yeah. You, you unless know? his name's Lamar. Unless his name's Lamar. Or yeah. Schrader. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Garrett. Speaking of receivers, though, let's talk about that, what USC brings. Yeah, I mean, they Drake bring, London. They bring yes. Drake London. He tore up Utah. And this is, and that is a um, fighting Irish defense that let Virginia Tech. You guys talked about, you know, earlier on in the program that Virginia Tech has some dudes. Or uh, in our last program, I'm sorry, in our last program, the Syracuse versus Virginia Tech preview, you guys talked about that they bring some dudes. But the Fighting Irish let three Virginia Tech Hokies receivers record 11 yards per catch, average 11 yards per catch in that game that they just played Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech isn't exactly setting the world on fire, so they got to have some concerns when Drake London, Kevon Slovis, and company come to town for USC. The I offense got, isn't, some the, offense isn't the question for USC to me. Let me go anyway. again. Brian Kelly's interview. Every week, tune into this guy. We should have him on. Maybe you can work on that. See if Will Cole can do a Brian Kelly impression. Who's Will Cole? Who's oh, Will sorry. Cole? I mean, Ed Orgeron can do a Brian Kelly impression. <laughs> <laughs> he said this week... We're going to have a plan. You have to have a plan for him just as we had one for Michael Pittman in 2019. So his mind on Monday is already thinking back, looking at their game plan. So I didn't have anything else to do. Pittman that year was averaging eight catches, 98 yards per game. Comes in four catches, 29 yards versus Notre Dame. David Bell this year. We've heaped a lot of praise on David Bell against Notre Dame. Right? He's averaging 154 yards per game against everybody else not named Notre Dame. 64 yards against Notre Dame. Clearly, Brian Kelly, when they have, like, Virginia Tech doesn't have just one guy. He said, we're going to focus on, so that's a matchup I'm interested in, because he's putting it right out there. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to jump. not hiding that. I'm going to jump on that, too, because I, I didn't watch the video, but I read the transcript. So, you probably just watch the video, because you're not as, you know, literate as I am. That's true. Um, but he's, he already knew he does Drake London's. He a subscription to classic books. At the <laughs> Come. I, they're leather bound. Once a month. <laughs> I do. I read them all. Um, Drake London, he knew in that interview which game he had the least receptions and was the least effective, and it was against Stanford. Um, so he was already, he's looking at Stanford's game plan against him. How do I limit him? And so he's already got a plan worked up, and I think he's proven that he could shut down top receivers like with all the stats that you just with one knows. guy, you know, like with yeah. the one focal point. And London's that talented. Yeah, London is. He's awesome. so much better than anybody else they have. They're gonna have to find a different weapon here to hang in this game. He had six, sixteen catches against Utah. It's a lot. It's sixteen catches for one hundred and sixty-two yards and a touchdown. And again, I mean, like, look, it, here's the thing with this team. Like, you talk about Keaton Slovis, 400 yards and a touch, or two touchdowns, whatever he had. Drake London has 16 catches for 162 yards. You think you'd What's be talking score? about a 20-point win, not a 20-point loss. You know, like, they got smoked in that game. What's the final score, 42-26 or something like that? Yeah. They got smoked in that game. You know, so for me, it comes down to this USC team being able to play defense. Uh, the, the offense is going to be there. They're going to get theirs. I don't necessarily trust this Notre Dame defense, though. They're a turnover machine. 
which I like against Keaton Slovis, and that's why I'm going with Notre Dame in this game. The touchdown that they get here, I like that. Notre Dame went, is it seven points? Seven points. Six and a half. Six and a half, cool, I'll take that. Notre Dame by a touchdown because of the defense for Notre Dame being able to force a turnover. They have forced at least one in every game. They have 14 through six games. That's seventh nationally. You've got Keaton Slovis who throws interceptions. They they throw the ball 60% of the time at USC. You're going to be able to pick off a few passes because that's all that they do. Keontae Ingram is doing a nice job now as he's become your number one running back, but they want to throw the ball almost every time or 60% of it, which is almost every, every time. time. 60% of the time works every, every time. time. Yeah, every time. Yeah. And I think Kyron Williams, this is his opportunity to have that breakout game because he's been bottled up, like you said recently. Um, the USC situation, they've got, like you talked about Notre Dame's quarterback controversy and they've been flipping, and USC's got the same type of quarterback controversy. They've, they're they unsettled in the in the coaching staff. You know, There's no real leadership, I feel like, on that team. Um, so too many questions just from, uh, are they up for this game? They should be cause it's the rivalry, but you got Notre Dame. It's at home. Um, I, I, I just like them. I, I think this is their opportunity to, to kind of show something against, uh, you know, just a, a USC team that has got pockets of talent on the team, but certainly not a real team with any sort of like unit on the team having any sort of talent. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I've got to disagree with you there because I really like their passing game. Their passing game is is top 10 in the country, just outside top 10 in the country, going up against a Notre Dame secondary that ranks in the back 100 in the country. So I do like that matchup as I take a look at that. And, and DZ, I know that you love these types of stats too, so I'm going to hit you with this one because it's a, it's is a, it completion it's a conundrum. USC is 7-0 and straight up in its last seven road games. However, Notre Dame is 19-1 and in its last 20 home games straight up. Mm, Hold so, on. And USC has lost who, his last four in South Bend. What streak is broken there? I Look, here, I, have, I have USC to cover, but we're going into the upset alert portion of this program. So I'm just inspired because I really like this, uh, I, I really like Keaton Slovis and I like London Drake. I think they catch uh, an overrated Notre Dame team here. So if I've got USC and I've got a cover and we're going to the upset alert portion of our program, just give me this game for my upset alert. I'll leave it right there. Give me USC to win this game. I think you're just being lazy. I've got an upset. <laughs> Do you want to know my upset? Are we moving there? I don't, did David, did you make a prediction? Yeah, I like Notre Dame. I mean, I'm... I still think the the wins USC has are against San Jose State, Washington State, and Colorado. Any any halfway decent team they've played so far, they've lost. And and Notre Dame certainly qualifies as a halfway decent team. Give me Notre Dame; they'll cover. At, at home too. I mean, it's at tough. Home. It's tough to pick an upset alert when when the team is traveling, but it works out sometimes. It does. This is like when just Purdue the goes sixth, to Iowa. sixth night game. In the rivalry in South Bend. Latest it's ever been played, 7.30 p.m. 
Yeah, I'm excited for this game. This game's going to be good. I think that this game's going to be good. I, I, yes, it will. I don't yeah. see a blowout. I, I think this being well, Slovis to London is such. Yeah, I think this is a, a fun. I think this is a fun option night for them. Game. They're going to hang around. So I, I don't, Notre Dame doesn't have a blowout in their bag of tricks. Yeah, no, I, I don't think. No, uh, my there. so my actual upset alert as we go into the upset alert, just because for for sake of time, I will just say real quick. I, I just wanted to mention UTSA. And what the Roadrunners are doing uh, as an undefeated team. They've got some legit dudes. Frank Harris is a nice piece at quarterback. Sincere McCormick, you've mentioned him before on the program, is a legit piece. But this Louisiana Tech team is battle-tested. They are 2-4, and four, and they're a touchdown underdog at home. But their losses are to one loss UTEP, touchdown road loss to NC State, two-point loss to undefeated SMU, and a point loss uh, road loss to Mississippi State. So their four losses are not bad losses. They roll out a dude, Austin Kendall, by way of uh, West Virginia, by way of Oklahoma. He's a guy who, when he doesn't turn the ball over, he's actually very, very good. I've got him not turning the ball over in this game. They are ticked. The AC, the AAC just added Charlotte Florida Atlantic, North Texas, Rice, UAB, and UTSA to the AAC Conference. Guess who they left out? Louisiana Tech. They are ticked going into are this game. Are you ticked? They are ticked going into this game, and they're going to come. Join the Sun Belt. Yeah. A better conference. <laughs> join the Sun Belt. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would do. And, and they also have a wide receiver named Smoke Harris, who's leading their team with uh, 284 yards receiving and a touchdown. Uh, again, UTSA like their team, wanted to bring them up on the program. Sorry to bring them up in the upset alert, but <laughs> Louisiana Tech is a tough place to play. They're good at home. They're battle-tested. Give me them to win this game in an upset. So it's apparently easy. in 2002, I, I want to go back and look at like the top boys' names in 2002. because smoke. No, smoke must be up there. This is like the fourth smoke we've discussed right. in college football right now. How or, many or they're just them, really good at football. Yeah. How many the of smokes. them are just nicknames? <laughs> well, Cavassier Smoke is a last name. Don't, that's that's a last last name. Don't ruin the joke. That's the last name. Don't ruin the joke. Do you know that UTSA has a wide receiver named Joshua Cephas, too? I mean, how common is the last name Cephas? Well, I no, I he's, looked up. He's not related to Quintez Cephas. No, he's not? I looked that up. No. Okay. Because I, I was like, dude, yeah. that's got to be no, Quintez Cephas. Okay. All right, go ahead. Because I was thinking the same thing. What are we thing. doing? Upset specials? Upset special. All right. Upset go. specials. You're going to like this, Kevin. You. You're, you will love gonna this. Like you're going to like this one. You're you going like, to love this one. You like a good rushing offense. And when a good rushing offense... Now, before we even get into the names of these teams I'm talking about, <laughs> just if you're just looking at stats, okay? If you're telling me... Love stats. A team with eh. the, with the like, seventh... No, I'm sorry. The fourth best rushing team is going up against the 95th worst rushing defense. You would say, oh, what's the differential there? You do a little math, we come up with 91 or so. That is a huge, huge advantage. And if you're just looking at games and you're looking at one unit against another unit with such a discrepancy in statistics, to me, I, I key in on that game and I start digging a little harder. All right, that game is Wake Forest coming up to play at Army. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. Now, college football teams. Wake Forest was lucky to come into the state of New York 
and win an away game up here. Fool me once. And then they're going to try to... You think they're going to do that again? Now they got to go Not to a the, lot of teams come up to New York State and just clean house up here. Now no they got to go to the best no team one. in New York State. That's why Alabama doesn't ranked, schedule games like this up in New York. As ranked by Sports Illustrated, the best team in New York State. They're going to play the Army. Yep. So they're going up against mm. Army. Um, Wake is three-point favorites. That's it in that game. So... Vegas is looking at this too, and they say, "Yeah, something's not right there." So I love Army. I, I think they're going to run all over Wake. Um, Wake rushing D. You saw it when we they played Syracuse. Schrader had a field day. Tucker had a field day, and that's all you're going to see from this Army Schrader team. Schrader to Shredder. Schrader shredded. Schrader the defense. Twenty nine carries. <laughs> Dave from Thornwood's name. <laughs> um, no, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Army has the secondary to kind of cover up some of those big uh, Wake Forest receivers. So I love Army in this game. Nobody comes into New York State and, and beats everybody. It just my, doesn't happen. My right. state punk. Take an Army. I like that. Hey. Speaking of Army and upsets, today, 240th anniversary of a huge upset, we upset the British troops at Yorktown. Oh, This should be a national upset. holiday, I think. Big upset. So you bring up Army. I'm going to go with in the Air Force game also. We're going to hang with the military academies nice. here on this anniversary oh. of the Battle of Yorktown. The Brits surrendering. It's not an Air Force at that point. You know that, right? What do you mean? <laughs> How else would you fly planes back then? <laughs> the Air Force. <laughs> Wait, Wait, who led the troops in that Battle of Yorktown? Who's it? Who's Okay, so Lafayette comes from the north. Rochambeau okay. comes from the south. They yeah. surround General Cornwallis, and he has to surrender. So, well done with the French connection there yeah. that we had. And then they went on, I think, to play for the Sabres. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah definitely. So, French what connection. Was Hamilton? I think Hamilton was involved. Uh, he wrote some songs yeah. about it. <laughs> he wrote some songs. I do know that. History is a little foggy, but he did. Uh, he wrote some songs. They rapped, too. Right. They did. Yeah. While rap riding around in airplanes. Yes. Oh, he Air invented Force. rap. Yes. yes. It's well documented. And the Air Force. And the Air Force. And the Air Force. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Anyways, <laughs> San Diego State is 6-0. and Join us for our history yeah, podcast. Yeah. Drunk history. San Diego State is 6-0 and at Air Force, who is 6-1. and You're able to get San Diego State with, I, I believe, three and a half points, three points, and I looked at it earlier today. They're going to win this game. They talk about how tough it is to play against the triple option. San Diego State has beaten this, I think it's eight in a row, They've been able to beat Air Force, so they must understand how to play against it because that's the wrinkle. Notre Dame keeps a scout team that runs the triple option, so when they play Navy, they're prepared for it because it's that tough, and you're talking about with Wake Forest. When these teams are just only run 100% of the time, and they have these – Boise State struggled. They could not stop the run. San Diego State will be able to. The running back, Greg Bell, he does a nice job. That kid's had a really good career for them. So I'll take San Diego State on the road over Air Force. Who Air Force runs the ball. 66 times a game. 66. Jeez. In comparison, on the season, Mississippi State has ran it 112. Wow. So, and, and you kept in line with the wacky weekend, too, from the beginning of the program with this week. San Diego State is another ranked team that's an underdog on the road at an unranked venue. So much. Like it's just all over the place. Yep. San Diego State in this meeting, in this in this game, has won the last eight meetings. And to your point, I mean, they're only allowing 61 yards rushing per game and going up against a rushing team like this. Under the radar games, 
that are that must-see, must-see plug-in, you know, appointment viewing that may not be necessarily on other people's list, but you got to have it. You got to see it. Who wants to start? Well, I'll, I'll kick this off because I got a little little axe to grind with the host here because oh, I, I, I thought this was a big four game here. And, it, and it's gotten relegated to the under the radar game because <laughs> I'm clearly in a group that thinks the G5 just doesn't exist. I All propose right. you, this game. No, you don't hate me the G5. You have a history. Idea. You did. You did. I'll give you that, but you have a history. Your history is you a, have a history. G5 history program. has its eyes on me. Yeah. Oh, more Hamilton. There we go. I can't take it. You only proposed this game because of Tommy Hennigan. It's not, it's yeah. not love it for was Coastal self-serving. Carolina. No, can I tell you why I proposed it? Was it? Because both of these teams didn't play last weekend, so I did the prep a week ago. And oh, I was like, already had it. Yeah, so I was like, let's do that game. Oh, you want to take this then? No, not at all. <laughs> but this is, so if you're tuning into this podcast, maybe you didn't get around to listening to this till Friday, well, shame on you because you already missed this game and you know the results. <laughs> So I got I'm being a little cautious on yeah, my predictions the results. on this one. Or <laughs> the score is, yeah. <laughs> or Thursday. I thought it was Wednesday night. Yeah, it's, it's, Wednesday a, night, we- yeah. Yeah, it's a Wednesday night game. That's what I mean. If you don't oh. get around to listening to it until oh. Thursday or Friday, I'm told we have a we have a bunch of listeners on Friday. Yeah. I like to mow their lawn and listen to this podcast. So you need to listen to this right now. But I've it's well documented what my favorite stat for quarterbacks is, and it's completion percentage. Endowment. Grayson McCall, 79.8% on the season. Dude, it's unbelievable. The coastal quarterback, that is, if you're not following the team. He's also thrown 14 touchies, one interception. Um, Tutties. The kids call him Tutties. He's got, they got a a stable of running backs, three running backs between White, Jones, and Bennett that, uh, that split up the carries. Their tight end is really fun to watch, Isaiah Likely. So key in on him. They are such a good offensive team, and they got the defense. I've talked about it before on this show. The all-Irish linebacker core of Kelly and Gallagher on that coastal team, they're great. 34% they're holding other teams to third-down conversions. Um, and then they check all the boxes for they, the big they, stats. They do, they they do, do. all the stuff. All yeah. the stats I love. Maybe that's why I yeah. love the team so much. Eighty percent passing with, with Grayson McCall, he leads the nation in completion percentage. Yeah. And in that defense, like you were just saying, that like they're equally as impressive. They're only allowing hundred and fifty yards passing a game. You know that's that's third in the FBS right now. So you got like a dude that's leading in completion percentage, a defense that's leading or that's third in passing yards allowed, eighth in points allowed. They're only allowing 15 yards per game. And throw in the fact that they've got 17 sacks, your third down percentage with the 34%, they're only allowing 34% third down. And they friggin' block kicks, too. They've got four block kicks in the season. Check, 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 check. The team is loaded. The team is loaded. And the highlight kid's a great wide receiver. So, like, likely he's averaging almost 20 yards a, a catch, I yeah. think. And then you have another kid at the wide receiver yeah. position. But they have to go and play at App State. They have not played this type of game yet this year. Like, right. They had to play Kansas. That's why their stats are inflated. If they play you Kansas. If you don't follow. We could be Kansas State. If you don't follow App State football Hamilton. On, on Twitter. You are missing out. I don't. They have one of the greatest. They have Twitter. They they have one of the greatest <laughs> cut men for like doing the hype videos that I've ever seen. Like Syracuse University, where this podcast is based, is 
is like the the the, the down commu- the street from Syracuse. the communications <laughs> the communications broadcasting epicenter of of the nation like they they produce all these dudes there app state puts out hype videos for their game like no other team does they're unbelievable they had one that three other teams have copied since <laughs> last year they had Tommy Hannigan like coming out of the water in a new uniform that they'd never played in before, with like water dripping as he comes out. I thought out. Tommy had to be walking on the water. Three teams oh. have done it since then, and App State keeps tweeting at them. Oh, we've oh. seen this before. It's yeah, amazing. Awesome. It's amazing. But it, it, they lose this game, but their their Twitter game is strong. <laughs> Dude, they don't even. I mean, the spread's not big. It's only a few points. I think it's three. You're not giving App State a chance. I like game. I, I I told you that I love Coastal Carolina. I, I that team is is good all around. I, I I do have a prediction with regards to this game that Jamie Caldwell and Grayson McCall end up as a package deal on the run no somewhere way. else. They somewhere they're else. building something there. No way that those two guys would leave there. They're gone. I don't think so. It, uh, Coastal is doing things the right way. They're on the rise. And it's funny you look at some of these rankings. They are say, like. They're behind uh, Iowa, right? still behind Iowa or Penn State. Some of these programs yeah. that you're wondering about right now, where they're at, Michigan State, all these Big Ten teams. Coastal is going to sit behind them. I don't see these guys leaving. I Combo, think over the next few years, they're going to keep building. They see what Cincinnati did. Combo That's what they're going to keep doing. Combo they are seven, 17 and one in their past eighteen games. They're not going anywhere. Combo these guys special. are special. Kids are going to come and play special. there. They're going to be able to recruit. They're going to be able to. Kids are going to want to come and it's, play with this quarterback. In, you're you're going to college in Myrtle Beach. Yeah. Your coach has a mullet. Right. You run an exciting offense. Yeah. It's a great place you're to go to college. You're one of the best quarterbacks. Why not? Why isn't this kid being I talked about? Ben in Myrtle Beach. I don't want to go to college in Myrtle Beach. There's a lot of people that do though. No I, chance. No, I don't want to go either. No chance. But 18 year olds. It's not a like that. That's true. No chance. Right. I mean. Yeah. No. Oswego's yeah. way better than right. Myrtle Beach. I would agree. Myrtle Beach is terrible. Why not Grayson McCall for Heisman? Why isn't he in this conversation where no one has jumped out and we're trying to give it to the Alabama quarterback because he's the Alabama quarterback? You mentioned his stats. All he does is put up monster numbers. He Justin Field-type completion percentage. The kid is doing everything yeah. you're asking. He gets no love. He's getting no love. GMAC. GMAC for Heisman. <laughs> I, Start App it right State, now. I don't think App State wins this game. It, Coastal's going to win the game here. If the Cam Peoples, if Cameron Peoples plays for App State this week, they're going to be able to hang around. Chase Bryce, that kid turns the ball over one too many times. There's a problem at Duke in their last game when Louisiana smashed them last Thursday or Tuesday night. It was a weird night of the week that they played. Turnover, the kid fumbled it twice, threw an interception. That's an issue because he does have a couple nice yeah. options there. We know one really good receiver, and the Sutton kid is very good also. But – I think Coastal wins this game. Yeah, Coastal struggles against mobile quarterbacks. And w- even when they played Kansas, Kansas has a mobile quarterback, and he broke out for a few big runs in that game. But I think they match up well against Chase Bryce and, mm-hmm. and the offense that App is going to bring at him. Um, th- this is going to be exciting. I might actually have teams. to stay up late on a weeknight yeah. to watch a college football this game. This is going to be fun. On a Wednesday night. On a Wednesday night. I know. This, this is going to be a this, fun game. This is going to be a very good game. For my under the radar game, I've got two SEC. These aren't very good games. Ooh. You know, because it's it's the SEC. But when you look at the SEC, you go, well, I'm so looking at these. These aren't any good two pack 
from the SEC. LSU is going to go to Old Miss, where there's, I there's this, picked that game. where there's this weirdness of like, is Matt Coral hurt? Is Lane Kiffin playing games? The Ed Ogeron farewell tour begins. They played well at uh, home against Florida last week. It, it, they're the underdog for the third straight week. Secondary's health is is banged up, and Old Miss brings in this high powered offense. But the LSU run defense is looking better. You know, it, it just. I, I don't know that LSU has enough, but this team is going to play. Ed Ogeron, for whatever he is, is a liked guy in that locker room. They're going to run through Ooh, a you brick. Think? W- absolutely. Well, the story's out there. Part of the problem is they don't like him. Uh, see, I... Uh, I didn't buy that. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't buy that at all. I mean, he's. A, We're buying. He tries to get with pregnant wives of like big that, yeah. Yeah. I, do that, that. Yes, I do believe that. Yes, I do believe that. He's a, he's <laughs> a he's a player's coach. He's he's a player's coach, and and they're they're gonna play for him, and 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 LSU is on their way. Out. They know he's on he's on their way out. So if they're not gonna play for him, they're definitely gonna play for the next guy. Like what you put on film right now is going to matter to the next guy that comes in. And Old Miss for everything you know, they've got defense. You know, maybe is struggling an offense that's maybe the most exciting in the country. And you let's see what let's see what happens. They're always going to play exciting games because they can lose to Tennessee. You know, they just hang on by a thread against Tennessee. They hang on by a thread against Arkansas. So that's they're always a fun team to watch. Uh, Comments like about that, that before I get to my second one. I, I like that line before you go on. That if Eddie O was smart enough to use that as like his locker room speech, be hey, if I lost this locker room, you guys got to go out there because the next guy is watching. Mm-hmm. And if you don't perform, you won't be here yeah. either. Dabo's watching. I'll be giving you a ride yeah. down the road. You gotta know that the next guy's watching. You, yeah, you know, or NFL scouts are watching because LSU yeah. kids are all planning on that next level stuff. So you're not gonna put lousy production. You're gonna be eating Popeyes chicken yeah. with me. Every LSU Who's game ever you have to watch the rest of the year. Yep. I want to see every LSU game yep. the rest of the year. And so I so I've got this game is gonna be exciting, and then the other one which is an Wait, under the. Uh, are we picking the team? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're picking. Yeah, I, I'll take Old Miss in this game. Uh, what's what's the what's the it's line? Like Twelve. I, I'll take Old Miss in the game. Um, geez, a lot of that's, points. That's a that is Especially a lot of points for that uh, defense. That is a lot of points for that defense. I mean, I, look, this is the under the radar games that can't miss is is tune in because you think they're going to be good. This is the game that tune in. I think it'll be good, especially with that question. If Matt Coral plays, they win in cover. But if Matt Coral is banged up in any sort of way, LSU could get a foothold. Good answer. The other one that I have that I don't know that'll be necessarily a great game, but it's just fun because Tennessee and Alabama have like they haven't played a ton lately, and they used to play all the time. And the thing that people forget about this game is that it is a huge rivalry between these two guys. They hate each other. And it was a rivalry that was owned by Tennessee for a long time. And then, well, then Nick Saban happened. But they, they, so they won, Tennessee won this game, you know, like 10 straight times. But now they have not won it. And I saw a stat the other day. They have not won it by Saturday. They have not won this game in 5,481 days. So this is, so this is a sort of a 
this is a a hatred kind of thing. Hate, and hate, to hate, and hate. to that end, I I found one of the greatest interviews I've ever seen of an Alabama fan talking about his hatred for Tennessee. All right, man. Uh, just uh, say what you've been saying, man. Why do you uh, hate Tennessee? Man, I hate Tennessee because first of all, it's Tennessee, and I I, I just hate them because they they. They low down, they dirty, they some snitches. <laughs> they snitches. And I hate Philip Farmer. I hate their colors. I'm not a dog person. A dog I, person. I just hate Tennessee, man. Like, I, and I, <laughs> I hate N- Nayland Stadium. It looks like a garbage truck worker convention. It looked like now, that last week. I hate right. all their quarterbacks. I just, I hate Tennessee, man. Describe, their, well, describe what you feel about their colors, too. I thought that was interesting. It, it, it reminds me, it, and it, it's not that orange that you can stand. See, I hate Tennessee more than I hate Auburn. I just dislike Auburn. I hate Tennessee. See, Tennessee's colors is, is that, that throw-up orange. It's not that orange <laughs> that you can sit with. It's that puke inside of a pumpkin orange. That I, and I don't like pumpkins. Yeah, we all can relate. So, I just, I, just, I, <laughs> I, really I don't like don't pumpkins. Like puke in a pumpkin. I, I, I can't stress that enough, man. And... They, they they losers. They saw losers because they, they they're not Alabama. Okay. That's true. Yeah, yeah. He's got a point there. That was beautiful, man. Probably the best interview I've done all year. Thank you, man. <laughs> man I, I can't stress What's that enough. I hate them. They, they, they cut him off and he's, he's still, still going. He's like, I can't stress this that enough. This is Nostradamus. I sounded like Peyton Manning doing the interview. It was it was Nostradamus over there because this interview is it's Philip Fulmer. Right. So you're it's talking old. about at least a dozen years ago. Well, he talks about the garbage and then he says they're snitches. And then today you had Jeremy Pruitt's lawyer. And sore loser. Did you see what Jeremy Pruitt said? Is he snitch? He he said his lawyer. They wouldn't settle with Jeremy Pruitt, and his lawyer said, "We know things." Jeremy, oh, Pru- I know things about Tennessee above just the football program. Oh, yeah, they snitches. So then this guy throw, throws out Man. that they're snitches, and Pruitt's lawyer is threatening that he is going to bring hell upon. This guy's a prophet. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Nostradamus. It, it, just reading today the uh, Alabama beat writer just kind of flippantly says it. you you got to kind of like dig through it a little bit and just it, it, the, the backhanded comment where he just goes, under Hypel. The Vols try to play at warp speed. The former UCF coach has made the team better, but that is a low bar of accomplishment. <laughs> oh, wow. Look, boom. So, I mean, I, you tune in. I, I, look, I think Tennessee's been a fun team to watch this year. I do think that Josh Heifel has them on the right track. They've played some exciting games. They've played some close games. They're better with Herndon Hooker in there. There's another one in that volume of, and we don't know if Herndon Hooker's going to play this oh, week, yeah. he got the hurt at the that's... end. But there's another one in that volume of, like, you picked the wrong guy at the beginning of the season. They yeah. played Joe Milton instead of Hernan Hooker, which was a curious decision to me from the jump. And, and it's forgettable after the trash fest on the field uh, fiasco. When they got the ball back and Hooker went out, and then Milton comes in for, like, the last play... He's got no time left on the clock. And he He's runs out of bounds. And he just runs out of bounds. Dude, it was the Lamar what Jackson against Lamar versus Clemson game. Right. We already talked about that game. Lamar goes out at the three with no time left on the clock. And you're like, what? Not a good strategy. No. 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 Honey, no. no. under the radar game. Give it to me. I'm going out west. We have Oregon State and Utah. This is a monster showdown oh, in the Pac-12. Oregon State's tied with Oregon at the top of the North Division. Utah, 3-0. They sit alone at the top of the South. 
you both did you both pick Oregon to lose this weekend against UCLA? So if you're Oregon State, you're have the chance to come out of this weekend sitting right on top of that North Division. And Utah, this is a good team that's coming here. You've talked about Dan already about Cam Rising. They've got the, the Thompson kid. I believe he was at Cincinnati. Cincinnati could have the Utah running back still. He transferred over there. Uh, Tavion Thompson. He's the Utah running back now, and they have the Pledger kid too. A couple nice tight ends. The Kobe kid is a good receiver. At Oregon State, we have to pay a little bit of attention to this team. I don't think they're going to win the game, but they beat USC. They beat USC? In the sure. Coliseum for the first time since the 60s. So it's a different Oregon State team. They're not supposed to go to USC and win games. They just don't have a very good passing game. Their quarterback can't get it done for them. He hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in September. So it's been a few weeks for him. Utah's going to win the game here, but I want to watch Oregon State. I don't know if I've watched much of them play live this year, and here they are with an opportunity to come out of this weekend first place in the Pac-12. Wouldn't have expected that before the season. If Oregon would have lost to Cal on Friday night, I think they would have been in the top ten nationally and in last place in their division. (laughs) (laughs) Well, last year they played in the Commerce Championship game without... That's true. <laughs> winning their division. So if anyone can do it, it's COVID. COVID. Yeah. So you want to tune into a little Pac-12 showdown. I'm not sure exactly. Is what it after dark? Kicks. I, eat it. I don't. If it's I don't after know. dark, Dan's you know I'm watching. Dan's all. And the boy Lloyd. You got to watch Devin Lloyd. Watch that, that might kid be a play. Friday night. Is that, that might be Friday night? Is it Friday night? I didn't think it was. I, I could have missed that. But huge, huge game in huge. that conference. Huge impact. So huge impact. I don't even think I ever said what our second beer was. It was Lawson's finest Kiwi Double IPA. It, at the moment you cracked that beer, I was like, whoa, that's got, that does have a little bit of kiwi to it. Um, anything else for tonight, gentlemen? Tune in. Stetson Bennett for Heisman. To Stetson Bennett. The mailman. The top hat. Look. Sean Tucker it, for Heisman. I'm it doesn't you. sound like this week has the marquee matchups, but tune in because it's college football and you have to. There's going to be games that surprise you. There's going to be upset specials. You want There's to. Going you don't to have be fantastic. to, but you want to. Yeah, you have to. I mean, it, it, it's it's absolutely fantastic. It's the best regular season in sports. Mix in a little bit of playoff baseball on your T1, T2, T3, T4, whichever level of Major League Baseball you are. That's a great playoffs. Major League Baseball has great playoffs. College football has the best regular season. Those two things come in to combine right around this October month. Rocktober month. Rocktober month. Mm. Boom. That is all we have for tonight. As always, you can uh, check us out and give us a follow on Twitter at Henny and Patron. You can listen and subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Go on, rate and view, rate and review us. Follow on Spotify, Anchor, Stitch, and essentially anywhere podcasts are found. You can check out our page on Facebook, Henny and Patron, The Two Drink Minimum, or friend me at Dan Patron. A special thanks to our beers tonight. We have a Lawson's Finest Kiwi Double IPA, as well as the standard, the IPA standard, Fiddlehead IPA from Fiddlehead Brewing Company. I am Dan Patron. He is Kevin Hennigan. He is DZ, and this has been The Two Drink Minimum. Enjoy week eight. Cheers. Cheers.